I saw in the news yesterday that uh, a team of Nepali climbers uh, had reached the summit of K2. And that this is the first time that the world's second highest mountain has been climbed in winter. It's a mountain that is often thought even harder to climb than Everest. What an achievement that is. I guess none of us, or certainly few, have climbed anywhere near so high, probably not even a third of the height of it. But I wonder what you consider the greatest event or achievement that you have had, that you've been a part of, maybe that you've been a witness to. Maybe if you play a sport, it was winning an important match, or as a spectator, being in the stand, as your team got to hold high the trophy. It could, of course, be something else. Maybe an academic achievement, uh, your, your graduation from university, uh, or maybe that sort of achievement for your child. It could be something to do with your family life or an epic journey. Perhaps overcoming an adversity to, to win through against the impossible, to overcome a serious illness, maybe to right an injustice. For each of you, the thing that you're thinking of is quite probably different. Yet your experience of that achievement, whatever it was, is almost certainly known and experienced by more than just you. Our passage, which is a game of two halves, speaks of a common shared experience. One that was amazing and unforgettable. Talked of through the generations because it was a national event, one that was defining and equipping uh, that many were a part of. It was the return of exiles and the rebuilding of the temple. And these things made the nation feel as one, rather like back 70 odd years ago, Britain's VE Day. Uh, or in 53, the coronation, and to a lesser extent, the, the marking of jubilees. The people had longed for the return, and the return had happened, and so much rejoicing had taken place. As the late rugby commentator Bill McLaren might have said, they'll be dancing in the streets of Jerusalem tonight. The people are so full of joy at what God did. It overflows in their heart. This is what I want in my life. The other nations would say as they looked on. The Lord has been good to them and therefore there's an implied I want the Lord to be good to me too. And that's the message of the first three verses a remembrance of exuberance and an elation that continues in the mind of the writer so many years later. A sense of joy that's beyond all measure. A joy that is overflowing. A few weeks ago, uh, back on the 27th of December, Dan shared with us a scene from a TV show, The Repair Shop, 
and we saw a restored antique music player, uh, a sort of giant coin-operated music box. And we also saw the delight of everyone as it fulfilled its purpose. Perhaps you at home maybe even shed a tear along with the owner and the repairer at what was happening there. The, there was such an immense, overwhelming joy. And that's what we see in this first half of the passage. But in the, the reading, the, there's a second half that tells another story, not yet of hope fulfilled, but of hope awaited. Not of restored fortunes, but of lives awaiting restoration. It is as if it was the moment that, that would have happened earlier in the programme when the broken item was handed over. And I wonder, would the owner have been so ecstatic at that time? I doubt it. I wonder how you feel when something is wrong and something uh, just isn't working. Have you ever had a car that's failed to start, as an example? It happened to me with a Citroen. It was a bit of a lemon we, that we had some years ago. When the breakdown van arrived to tow our car to the garage, we were happy to no longer think about waiting at the roadside. We were happier still when the mechanic has a quick fiddle and our engine came to life. But in that scenario, how do we feel long before we see the approaching amber beacons on the truck's roof at the time that we put in the call to the breakdown service? Perhaps it's not just the car, but we ourselves that have felt broken. And maybe that's true in other circumstances too. Regarding personal finance, uh, our employment, our health, our relationships, maybe how we feel about lockdown. Things are perhaps not what they might be or how we feel they should be. And as a result, we feel broken. The psalmist is different. From verse 4 to 6, as he calls to the Lord, as he talks of seed time and of desert, of the times in life when the land was culturally seen not to be providing a crop, a time of life being able to go no lower, the psalmist still has a heart for God and still has joy in his voice. It is in this time of woe that he wrote those earlier verses, the, the songs of joy to be sung. That he's written in this time of grief, saying that he can imagine the harvest that will be known, that the song of joy will be sung again, that the rivers will run. He is not yet there, but the psalmist knows a season will be surely coming because he has faith in the Lord. He knows that goodness, that goodness that allows our cup to bubble over with an effervescent effect, 
how God pours out blessings. It is the blessings of the past and of the future that give him joy now. He may not have jammed today, as Alice through the looking glass discovers, but for the psalmist and for us, the tomorrow with jam will actually be known and tasted. We are in a season of brokenness and some of us will be getting to our wit's end if we didn't already pass that point six months ago. We can see the hope of the vaccination coming and I know some of you have already had uh, the first one but really we know it's a long haul yet. We might see cases of coronavirus going down slightly but the numbers are still huge as are the number of deaths making us think of families turned upside down in grief. And in this time of stress, it's natural to be maybe a little ratty with each other, to, to want to storm, to release our frustrations because the little niggles of life have eaten at us and now appear as monsters. We are maybe far from joyful. And as for love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, humility, goodness, faithfulness and self-control, the other elements that make up the fruit of the Spirit, well, don't get me started, they might have gone too. But that shouldn't be the case, should it? We need to remember the love of God that is there for each one of us, reaching out to us blessing us and telling us that the new day is ahead. We need that confidence of the psalmist to speak of what we have seen and what we know deep in our heart about the Lord's way and so carry it forward. People will see that love and hope, that joy that God gives us and they will long for it in their lives. Indeed, we can know that the greatest achievement ever is not an exam result or a football score or the climbing of a mountain in arduous circumstances. Know that there's an even greater event that relates to us, that uh, a thing that we have a part of that outstrips them all because of God's love. Christ went to the cross and defeated the hold sin can have on our life. In him we are forgiven. In him we have eternity and that is something that we can have delight in every day. Let our mouths be filled with laughter and our tongues be filled with joy because the Lord has done great things for us. May we ever praise him. Amen.